We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. Hey there, it's Timmy Manor and welcome to the Spirit of Sport right here on 1170 SEN. Uh, We play some great songs on this show and we talk to some amazing figures in the sporting world. And today we're so lucky. Our special guest... She rose to fame in early 2001 by becoming the first woman to clear two meters in the high jump. Incredible achievement. She quickly became a fan favorite of the nation and she continued her stunning form at last year's Tokyo Olympics and claimed a silver medal in the women's high jump. Her effort and determination is something that all athletes should strive for and we're so lucky to speak to her tonight. Our guest on the Spirit of Sport is silver medalist Nicola McDermott. Nicola, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, talk to me about, um, I guess, for starters, how, Happy New Year, Merry Christmas. How's, um, how's COVID treated you, I guess? Has it uh, affected your training much at all? Uh, I'm really thankfully that um, on the Central Coast it hasn't affected me too badly. Uh, a few of my training partners haven't been able to um, continue training based on COVID, but uh, I've been quite, I'm quite thankful at the moment that I haven't been too badly affected by it. Ah, awesome. And what's what's it been like since you've kind of come back? You you won a silver medal in Tokyo. It's been a few months since then. What's the um what's the aftermath been like? Yeah, so as soon as I finished the Olympics, I had five more competitions in Europe. So it was almost like that was a good day. Put that aside. We needed now to keep focusing oh, wow. and jumping high. So yeah. um I did that and spent a few more months overseas and came back and I, w- I was overwhelmed at the support that I I received. I didn't realize how many people actually watched the Olympics back at home that Saturday night, but um, it, it seems that basically everyone I know and my whole community did. So it's been, um, it's, it's been beautiful and also um, challenging, I suppose, of how to, what the new norm is and then continuing to keep striving for those higher heights and yeah put put my head down and keep working good on you and you mentioned that you know the the five other championships in europe what was what was going around europe like was it um obviously different than what it usually is or was it normal traveling yeah it wasn't too bad um so my coach returned back to australia because um he still had the 14 days quarantine so I went there by myself with a few other athletes and it was amazing to continue to compete with crowds. That was that was amazing. Um, but also being very vigilant with the COVID restrictions. I think after the Olympics, there was a big weight off everyone's shoulders and just went, let's, let's enjoy our sport now. Um, you know, uh, win or lose, we've, we've done that big thing. Let's just, go out here and enjoy it so i i really I, I loved that time after the olympics that's awesome it's yeah it's kind of like the equivalent i guess for in the nrl people win a grand final but then they have the world cup challenge which is it's still an important competition but it's almost like you've achieved like the the big thing's done now go out there and have some fun um talking us a bit more about the olympics though so it's not only great obviously an event for an athlete because you spend so much time preparing and trying to be there but it's also great for spectators what was it like um, for you being involved in the actual Olympics and something that you know, I guess people would dream about wanting to do? 
Yeah, I think it was it was it was wonderful, and also I I found I couldn't have expectations of, uh, on the day of um, of what an Olympics would be like because it was very different based on coronavirus. So my my fun was to go out there and compete to the best of the, my ability. It wasn't really going to be going and exploring and being a part of the Olympic Village, but um, I think. It was a really important Olympics for even for us athletes because we knew that we were really we were bringing hope back to the nations in a yeah, way. Yeah. So it, it, there was a sense of um, yeah, just like a respect that we had that what we were doing was bigger than us, and I I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, we um well, even here at Sen the radio station, you know, the Olympics was like a bit of a highlight of our year for so many people. Um, it was just an escape for. You know, from lockdown and from restrictions and from what we're going through. So be able to watch you guys and be able to see you representing our country and representing us and doing such a good job at it was amazing. Um, you also managed to, you know, to get through it with a medal. Like, what was that feeling like to actually achieve a medal? Like, so many people, athletes get there and just being there and experiencing the whole Olympics is itself a great achievement. But to actually get up on that podium, what, what did that feel like? Oh, that, that was incredible. That whole day was a bit of a blur. Um, but I I got into that stage of knowing that I was in the best shape of my life and I couldn't have done anything more than what I'd done. So by the time I'd gotten to the finals, there was this piece of, oh, like, let's just see what we can do. And there, there was a quiet confidence that, you know, we're going to be on the podium today. So when, when I was able to do that... Um, yeah, it was it was almost just uh, like uh, almost th- this this felt right and it, and it happened and I think there was there was just this joy that um you know that what what you really do put your mind to and what you've like laboured over for for years and years um, coming to fruition there was um, yeah it wasn't even a weight off the shoulders because you know you don't. Ex- a medal you just yeah. really hope it happens and then it yeah. happens and it's just it's just a gift oh i got some something to bring home and show everyone <laughs> now that's great <laughs> and what about the actual ceremony like is it is it is it memorable do you remember it is it a is it goosebumps or what was it like when you actually hear the anthem playing and to be up on the podium yeah it was um so most Olympians, they do their competition and then the next day they get all pretty and they go onto the, the podium for the ceremony. Yep, yep. But since we were on the last day, we within the hour we were on the podium. So it was, um, it was a bit of a whirlwind, to be honest. So you compete and you're just trying to um, realize what just happened. Then you've got the media interviews go and get whisked away, put the tracksuit on, get the medal, then do the media interviews. And wow. so it was, um, I actually, when I watched the video replay of the, of the podium event, it's like I could, um, I could really appreciate it for what it was without it being so full of adrenaline. That's so cool. Yeah. I can only imagine what that feeling must be like. And like you said, it all would have happened so quickly, like from the end of the event to you when getting the actual medal would have been, such a blur, but I'm so glad for yourself that you got to experience that and something that you know, athletes wish and dream they can achieve. Um, but to, to get to that point in your career, you obviously you would have had to go through a lot of 
hurdles and ups and downs. Talk to us about your journey. Like, how did you get involved in athletics to start with? Yeah, so I, um, I was trying out all these different sports in school and none of them was really a fit. And then I went to my school athletics carnival when I was in year two and I won pretty much every event and my dad was like, yes, you're going to be an athlete. So <laughs> we went to little, little athletics and um, just at my local club in Gosford and I started and I fell in love with the sport. And then the, the year after that, we got introduced to high jump and yeah, when I when I just I, I remember I'd, I started in high jump and it was a few steps. It was a benefit to be tall. You just fall over this bar and then you end up winning this event. I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> so yeah. um, I already, already, I think you know, within that those first few months, I'd already decided, yeah, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's that's so cool. And what about? I, I don't know enough about this, but. Um, I've heard the topic come up a lot, especially during the Olympics, about the ability for Olympic athletes to um, make a decent living out of their job. What's what's your thoughts on that? How is your is your ability? Are you able to do your job full time? And and maybe um, yeah, what's it like for the rest of the other athletes that compete in athletics? Is it a chance for them to make a decent income out of it? Oh, it, athletics is one of the hardest sports to to even do um, part-time, let alone full-time, wow, yeah. because uh, there, there, just, there isn't the finance in the sport. I think maybe based off um, the, like usually what, what we have to do is we go overseas and we try and make enough for competitions over there. Um, if you break even, that's good, <laughs> Not rather than actually making money. I was really blessed that. Um, my manager, we secured a contract with Puma and the Puma contract had good bonuses. So if you do get medals at an international championships, that will be, that will give you enough money to, to make a yearly wage. And um, so for the Olympics this year, I, I just finished university after the Olympics. And now with that, that one contract, uh, I'll be able to, to, to be doing it full time. But every one of you know my friends and things, we we balance work and then we try and fit in training where where it's possible. Um, and I think that culture is is hard in Australia because there's other sports people that make so much money that um, there's there's almost a stereotype that they're really really well off, but it's not always the case. Um, so, yeah, I think for me now, after making, like if I'd come forth at the Olympics, I still would be in a hard place. But that medal really almost has secured these next few years of me being able just to focus as a full-time athlete, which is just such a blessing. It's incredible to think of. And like you said, the, the stereotype, people assume athletes must be getting paid well. and But it's amazing to think that you could win a gold or a silver medal at the Olympics and still... It's it's not a great like a way of you've got finance coming for the next few years, but there's so many athletes that have to work and have to rely on other jobs for income. Um, and it's funny. The reason I asked the question is because it only came up last night. I was talking with um, my wife and a couple of friends. So my my daughter made her debut at Little Athletics last week. So she's uh, mm. that had her first day there, and it's awesome. She loved it. She had fun. She's only she's only um, four years old. But I remember thinking, mm. I wonder if there's like ever going to be a chance in Australia where she can actually make a decent income out of it and 
you look at America, like I look at the colleges system over there and, and the amount of effort and energy and funds and finances that go into preparing their athletes. It's no wonder that they do so well at the Olympics. Is it something you think Australia will get better at? Is it changed at all over your career? Is it heading in a direction? Is it not moving? Is it getting worse? How do you see it going? Uh, it's it's a difficult um, difficult question. Um, I think at the moment it stayed the same from as long as I remember it. Um, and the culture is if if you want to make a living, you need a you need to go somewhere. Um, I think hopefully there is a focus in the lead up to the 2032 Olympics that more sponsors will will see what athletes can do because I think you know as an athlete, not only in a workplace but as a to to them sponsor them to just support them in their training. Um, there there is they will get so much in return, um, but it's it's. It's difficult to really to be as an athlete and and see anything changing because I've just known that my whole life of you struggle and then hopefully you do something absolutely incredible and then you're able to survive rather than being met where you are as a young person having the support and resources and then sort of growing into that. Uh, but I, yeah, it's um, it, it's an area that we really need work on in Australia and not only for athletics. But for for many sports, just to to give that um, to give that empowerment to be able to focus purely on training, yeah, because that that does make the difference, yeah, for sure. And you know, you, you talk about you know the ability for women. Women's sport in general is has got so much growth in Australia. There's so much room for it to to grow and develop. But we'd love to get to the point where they can have the same goals as you know. I know men's athletics is different as well, but you know, I'm talking about rugby league, for example. It would be great to see rugby league women be able to rely on their income as a full-time wage and um, not have to... Because the, the the ability for you to develop your skills in a sport, you need to develop time. You need to put time into it. And if you're working outside of it, it's hard for you to be at your best um, athletically. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you've got an opportunity now to kind of focus more on your sport. Um is there what's what's coming up this year in terms of competitions? Do you have much happening? Yeah, it's a really really big year. So for for athletics alone, there's the World Indoor Championships in Serbia in March. Oh yeah. Uh, we have the World Championships outdoor in athletics in America, and we have the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham in August. Ah um, so yes yes. So it's one of the biggest years that we have for, for my sports. And even the people that um, aren't Australian, they also have the European Athletics Championships, which is really big. Um, so we're all just trying to, um, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're trying to just hold on and keep training and, um, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah that's keep all, going. That's awesome. And the thing, the thing about athletics, and it's crazy because you can, like for example, your Olympics moment, right? You train for four years and your event actually goes for, is it like a 10 seconds from, I guess, when you begin your run up to, how long would it take from run up to mat? Um, oh, about three seconds. Yeah, right? exactly. So it's three seconds uh, and it's like a combination of all that hard work. Uh, and that's why my, my, nothing breaks my heart more when I watch like a hundred meter sprinters false start twice or when you see them get injured the week before they I'm like all that hard work. 
How does it feel to have everything culminate at once and to still deliver the way you did? Is there, Do you feel pressure at the time? Do, what are you feeling when, you, when you're at that moment, when you compete? Yeah, I think realising that, um, you know, all of our sport, it, it is a journey. It's not a... It's like a, a result can't define um, all the sport and what we've done and the p- performance won't define who we are as a person with our identity. And when you get to that stage of, you know, being content regardless of the outcome, then you can really just perform out of your skin. So I, I think I got to that stage for the Olympics and realized the pursuit of um, performing well at the Olympics really changed me as a person. And it was I was able to just do so much more than just jump well for me, but um, be a representative for my nation and inspire people in all walks of life. And when I realized that, then there, there isn't that pressure attached to the Olympics. It's more of a joy. Um, but it, it's getting to that stage of realizing that. And that can be the hard bit. Yeah, well, I'm, it's, it's incredible that you've learned that at such a young age. And I don't know if you remember, but we, you and I did a talk together once at a, at a youth conference at uh, Hillsong. I think you, you might have only been 21 years old at the time. You're only young. Um, and you spoke with so much maturity. But um, you, you brought up a bit about your identity and it's been really publicized about your relationship with God. Um, and your faith, but how is how did that come into your life to start with? How did you first get into a relationship with God, and how did that happen? Yes, I um, I was started a new school in year six, not year seven, just that one year younger, and it was a Christian school. And I remember I, I was bullied a lot as a kid, just on how tall I was and how different I was. Yeah. And when I walked into that school, I was. Ex- from my experience in life, I was expecting backlash and things. So I was building myself up as, oh, are you good at sports? You know, you're smart. You'll find, you'll find um, a way for people to like you. And when I walked in, I was met with this love. Yeah. People didn't judge me. They just, they just loved me. The, the students, teachers, and it made me almost envious of how can they love like this? And they said, we love because Jesus loves us. And it was the first time I'd sort of experienced that kind of non-judgmental. Um, it almost it made no sense in my brain how somebody could do that. And over those next few years, um, I had that realization of wow, this is like there there is a love available that is so much so much greater than anything that I can do to perform and um, the way that I viewed my life based on you know my own experiences uh, maybe that wasn't the full picture and so um, I started going to youth groups and I started going to youth camps and went to churches and had that amazing school and um, I learned deeper and deeper and that relationship with God just kept on growing more and more and it, it really has just been um, such an amazing journey because regardless of what I've experienced in my life and choosing God or turning away from God, I've always been met with that consistent love and mercy. And that's that's really just transformed how I've not only view myself, but view other people as well. That's so good. So cool. He, and I love, the, I love the way you talk about it as well. And it's not something you feel like um, you, know, you have to hide. 
What um what school was it out of curiosity up there? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's on the central coast called Greenpoint Christian College. Ah, um, Greenpoint. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. So they're they're a CIS yeah. school, aren't they? Like a combined yeah. independent schools. Yeah, we supply. So I used to go to a, a CIS school as well. We supply against them in um, footy rugby league. It's only a small like network of schools. So that was uh, that was always one that I remembered. Um, that's great, and I'm so, it's it's incredible because people don't realise the the. The loudest, like a lot of people will never step foot inside of a church, but by people showing you love, they were a great example of God's love and, and that in turn wanted you to have a relationship with God. And that's why it's so important that Christians realize that you don't have to, um, you don't have to convince people with you, with your words or getting them to church. It's, it's, it's the way you live your life, the way you show your love. That's the, kind of the biggest advertisement for God's love is by the way you show love. And I, I love that you, you experience that Absolutely. yourself. Um, has your relationship with God affected your performances at all or your training or your career? Has it had any, um, interrelation? Yeah, definitely. Um, and exactly what you said, just that, that realization that, um, it's not about pushing and convincing people. I mean, I, I can, I can really know that deep down, even in the way that I jump, that I can impact people because they see a love in the way that I treat competitors. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I, I got to a stage where I was pursuing sport uh, to the point where I was willing to leave everything just to have this Olympic glory. And yeah. I got to about 20 years old and I had my whole life mapped out of this is what I need to do in order to be satisfied. And there was a realization that everything that I did in order to, to get to that dream. I, I, I was completely set up um, in a way that, you know, I was going to thrive, but I was miserable because I'd left God out of it. Wow. And at 20 years old, I realized I can have the whole world. I can be so successful, world record holder, but at the end of the day, if I don't have that kind of love that I'd experienced as a, as a teenager and where I was fully satisfied, I'm never going to be fully satisfied with having the wealth of the world. And so I I left that and just made that decision at 20, I'm going to seek God first. And I really thought that my performance was going to drop off and maybe I'll, I'll never really reach full potential. But I was already so satisfied that that was, that was okay because I'd, I'd found the secret of, of being content in life. And the opposite actually happened. My personal best at that stage was one meter eighty-eight, and we fast forward four years, and I jumped two hundred two wow. and broke all the records, and um, went from like just people said that progression within that those years to jump fourteen centimeters higher within a few years, impossible at my age. But you know what's what's impossible. For, in the natural can be possible with God. And I um, I just got so much joy because there wasn't that burden. I looked at a high jump bar and I wasn't scared to not make it. I was excited to make it. And knowing the platforms that I'd reach and the people I could reach with it gave me that extra ability to train harder and to, to put more on the line and to sacrifice more. And when I've done that, I've, I've found that there is a joy that I... Um, yeah, there's just such a joy that can't be removed from me. 
Amen. It's it's true though. Just, even just watching you compete, you can just tell us something different about you. And your your testimony is amazing because it it draws people in. People like the same way you experienced that love at school and you wanted to know what they have and you were envious of what they had. People watch you perform and they can tell us something different about you. And they they want to know what it is. And then when you come out and you talk publicly about your relationship with God, it makes a lot of sense. And people start thinking, okay, well maybe maybe that's a secret. Maybe that's what makes her tick. Um, it was also well documented as well that you, you you write biblical references on your wrist. Is that right? Do you write Bible verses on your wrist when you can when you jump? Yeah, how'd yeah, that, always that something different. Well, I was finding that I was um, every time I compete and I celebrate, my hands go up in the air. I'm like, that's free real estate right there. <laughs> something. <laughs> I'm like, that's prime real estate for photography, and so. Um, I mean, that's one stage, but also for me, it's a good reminder that like I can have little notes and things. I have my notebook, which has gotten a lot of publicity, um, but even on that, I'm like, you know, I'm I'm sort of like a a moving letter, and if people can can have a little message right there that they can zoom in and, and have a look, then I think that almost that just brings me an extra bit of joy and a bit of fun into the competition. I love it. I love it. And in sport, like you know, for example, rugby league, we um, you know, we, we would have a team prayer before the game, and you know, we'd pray with opposition afterwards. Is there anything like that, or do you have like a pre-game um, routine or anything that you did that re- that you brought your faith into? Yeah. So I, and my my best friend and I, we started a ministry called Everlasting Crowns, and what we did was we started doing Bible studies all throughout the competitions the night before. And then we'd pray with, with the athletes before we go out. Um, and the sports chaplains on the circuit used to do that. But also with COVID, it's, um, they couldn't be there in person. And for every competition all over the world, there can't really be one. So we sort of stepped up to that. And there's just such an amazing group of athletes that are, are almost like family when you're on the circuit. It'd be the same when you're with your team and away from home. It's it's like a family. Um, and so we've been doing that for the last few years. And the community that we have is just amazing that, we, yeah, we, we can come together and we can grow together in faith. So it's not like we're compromising um, our faith to do our sport. It's actually helping. That's amazing. Can you tell us a bit more about Everlasting Crown? So is there a way people can get involved? Is it, um, yeah, how does that look moving forward? Yeah, so I um, now that I'm finished university, we're making it more. Um, we're still in the processes of making it a non-for-profit, um, so that people can support it. So it's still all all the moving parts um, whilst trying to compete and things. But in the next few years, we're hoping to really get that off the ground and make it more public to yeah. let people know what we're doing behind the scenes. That's so cool. Uh, that's 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 I'll, I love hearing that, and um, yeah, we we're pretty lucky. We had we had some really, you know, good chaplains in the in the sport when I was involved. And um, George Danzi at Parramatta, he he's just such a great mm-hmm. guy. But um, I I still look back at my high school coach, my high school football coach. Um, yeah, I was pretty fortunate. I had a coach that was more focused on our relationship with God than actual football performances. And we saw we used to always read Isaiah forty twenty eight to thirty one before we played any school game. Um, it's the, the verse about eagle's wings. So, how's that not known? How's that not heard? Mm. Everlasting God. The Lord, the creator, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There's no searching of his understanding. 
giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even you shall faint and grow weary, and young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not grow weary, they shall walk and not faint. Now, the reason I know that is because I, um, I started getting in a routine where before every game, I would, I would read that passage. And then it got to the stage where obviously I knew it off my heart. So as I was running onto the field, I'd always like to say it in my head as I was running onto the field. Um, and it's crazy how as a you know, 14-year-old kid at this high school, um, you know, a little pre-game routine that our PE teacher taught us was something that stuck with me throughout my whole NRL career. Um, but well, I, I love what you're doing with Everlasting Crowns because that's something that can really make a difference. That's something that can really help you know, Christians on, out there in the sporting field and, and people out there that want to... Um, just stay connected to their faith and, and use that in a way to encourage others. It's, it's such a great thing you're doing. Um, and we really look forward to following that more closely. And hopefully when you have something a bit more official to launch, um, SEN as a radio station would love to get behind that and, and really encourage people to get involved. Um, you also talk about um, a book after each jump. You're writing a book. Um, is it, what's, what's that about? Yeah, my um, my sports psych and I, in 2019, came up with a, a way that I can still be uh, jumping to my very, very best in my last jump. Because if I do my best jump of the competition from for one meter eighty, how am I meant to do that over two meters? Yeah. And we came up with a way to analyze my performance after each jump, which was to rate myself out of 10 for each part of it. So like the running technique, the, the jump, the, um, you know, like my, the way my arms are moving because I'm very like analytical in my, in my approach. Yeah. And I started doing that and it really, really worked because regardless of a good or a bad jump, I go back to the book and write down what worked and what I need to work on. And my coach and I sort of, got that um, really refined. So by the Olympics, it's just second nature, but uh, everyone was asking, what's in that book? <laughs> 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 but it's a process that has the power, not not the actual um, what I was writing. <laughs> it's funny because so many people would watch that being so curious, thinking, what's going on there? But it's something as simple as uh, helping you perform, which is, yeah. Um, I guess it just gives someone... To, Things, something people to talk about, I guess. Um, your relationship with God's obviously been an incredible part of your journey, but you know, you're, at the end of the day, you're an incredible athlete in, in your own right. What's what's the future look like? Um, to, Paris in 2024 is um, is gold medal on the is it achievable? Is it a goal? Is it on, what, what's driving you? Yeah, that that gold medal at Paris is is looking pretty good um, <laughs> for. That's I know it's going to be hard, and even the world record has been standing for cent, uh, for decades and decades. Um, I think it's going to be almost forty years coming up of that how long it's been standing there for. So we're really um, we're there are a few of us girls that were on the podium. We want to be getting close to that two oh nine world record, which would be breaking the two ten barrier. And that's something that I've um, got my sights set on to to keep on progressing my personal best to that world record. So, if I was to be able to do that at the Paris Games and get the gold, well, that would be um, an absolute dream. So, that's that's on the forefront of my mind is trying to get that gold in Paris and um, hopefully win a couple of world championships as well. 
Yeah, and you're gonna have the whole country behind you. That you've you've got a huge fan base. Actually, you've got you've you're so warm with your personality that comes across, and I think you got the whole country that are really supportive of you. And if there's any other sponsors out there listening, I know Puma's doing a good job, but get behind Nicola because we really want her to uh, really do her best and succeed and have more time to be able to train. Otherwise. Um, you know, like we talked about the, the finance side of things, it would be great if you can just have so much support where you, you knew that all you have to worry about is just being the best version of you every day. Um, I'm going to sh- rapid fire some questions. I so usually I've got a co-host in here, Benny Little. He is taking a bit of a sabbatical. He's up at Coffs Harbour on a break. Um, but this is usually his segment and we call it the 60 second blitz with blitz. I'm going to try to do it. And I've got seven questions. I'm going to ask you really quickly, seven questions. And you just give us the answer that comes to your, your brain first. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Okay. Favorite food? Cashews. Start easy. Cash, do you say cashews? Mm-hmm. As in the nut. That's, yeah. that's your favorite food. So, okay, it's your last <laughs> meal on earth. And I say to you, Nicola, I'm going to get you whatever you want. And you're gonna say, and you said cashews. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a strange person, I know. Okay. okay. No, no, it's, it's, it's Cashews are actually my favorite nut. I did get told that out of all the nuts, it's probably not the best for me um, in terms of Yeah, that broke nutrition. my heart too. Yeah, I know. It's devastating. But okay. <laughs> all right, cool. Um, favorite movie? We'll keep it easier to start. Um, about Time. About Time. Can you remind me what, uh, what that's about? Oh, it's like, it's, it's a chick flick. Um, oh, I love my chick flicks. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's like a, these two people having a relationship, and he can time travel, but in the end, he finds that life's worth living, like without doing the time travel and just enjoying life for what it is. Ah, nice, nice, good, good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm a traditionalist when it comes to chick flicks. The Notebook is still in my top three. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, what's, do you have any hobbies that people don't know about? Um, I play piano and I do watercolor painting. Oh, really? So you're a creative. Mm. Your 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 mind works as a creative. I also study science, so who knows? I'm a bit oh of wow! Okay, yeah, I'm I'm definitely not creative. My wife is. My wife can draw and paint, and is incredible with her. She's got a brain that ticks, works so different to mine. But I see. Um, I just see people that can do that, and people that can play music. I just like. I don't know how you guys do that. It's just so foreign to me, but um, it's, you tick that box and you, and you do science. There you go. Wow. Um, holiday location, your favorite holiday location. You don't have to have been there, oh. but somewhere that you, in the world that you would like to go to or have been. Love. Oh. Croatia. Croatia, have you been there? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's I've heard beautiful. Croatia. Beautiful. Nice. I've never been. Okay, Croatia. Um... What's your favorite sport to watch outside of your own sport? Uh, diving. Diving, yes. Yes, okay. Um, if you could meet someone famous, who would you choose? Mm. Um, famous people. Uh, I think Roger Federer. Oh, yeah, yep. Is he is he in Australia Open? Is he down in Melbourne at the moment? I don't actually know. Yeah, I should know. That. I, <laughs> I think should, it'd I just be called a meeting. Sen, I should know that. But um, yeah, I was about to say he should just give him a buzz. He's around the corner. 
And lastly, uh, the best advice you've ever received? Um, comparison's the biggest killer of passion. So never compare yourself to other people. Oh, that's great. That is so cool. And I love that you're, um, you're, only, is it 20, you're only 25, is that right? Mm-hmm. So you're 25 and some of the lessons, like even the way you talk, like you talked about your identity at the start. And I think that's a, probably the biggest lesson that athletes probably um, struggle with along throughout their careers, understanding the difference between um, who you are is not what you do. Like understanding that your identity isn't necessarily involved in what you're doing for a living. And that's where a lot of people struggle with transition life after sport because they don't understand that. They've got all their eggs in the one basket. I'm a, I'm a high jumper. I am a basketball player. I'm an NRL player. And then when they aren't that anymore, they don't know who they are. So it's so cool that at such yeah. a young age you realize that and you understand your identity, uh, who you are um, in Christ and who you are as a human is so much bigger than what you're doing on the sporting field. So I just want to say I'm, I'm so honored that you joined our show. I'm so... Um, I'm a big fan, but we're also really excited to see what you do in the future and not just on, on the high jump arena and, and what you're going to do because we know you're going to do huge things on, in the sporting field. You, it's, you're, you're built for it. You're, you're so dedicated. You're obviously very talented, but it's everything you're doing outside of that. It's the, you know, the everlasting crowns. It's explaining to people your faith. It's letting people feel and see the difference about you and why um, God's love is so different because of people like you and it's such a um it's such a shining light for you know christians all around the world to have someone like you kind of be a bit of a, a poster girl and explain to people that you know christianity isn't in a box and it doesn't look like this you know you can look uh, it's it's everything and we're so grateful for what you're doing on this on the world scene and you've got fans at sen and you've got fans uh, all around australia cheering you on and we can't wait to see succeed some amazing things in the future Oh, thank you so much. I, um, yeah, a real honour to be on today and just to hear from you. It's great encouragement. Thanks so much, Nicola. All the best and uh, kill, uh, I hope you have a great 2022 on, on, the, um, on the circuit. Thank you so much. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.